0: posting a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of eloquentonline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. Now more than ever, this is the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question: If your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? What if your brand? was selling a legal product that involved large amounts of cash and had no safe place to put it. And you wanted a banking relationship, but banking brands didn't want to take your money and your profits. Well, our guest today, Sunday Seafried, a stone-cold credit union pro, saw an opportunity. History is you can change with it, Or you can get changed by it, and you can also take advantage of the history that you've been dealt. Sunday's out there minding her own business, leading Partners Credit Union in Colorado, a $300 million credit union. And then she sees this problem. You've got legal cannabis in Colorado. It's got lots of money being made. Lots of money is being made. And and the people that own these shops have no place To put it, people walking around with $15,000 in cash in a backpack, that's not cool either. She established Safe Harbor Services to help bridge that gap between those operating cannabis-related businesses and financial institutions. And it's a great, great story. Back in 2014, Sunday established the Safe Harbor Program in Colorado, and its success led to an expansion of the program into other states with approved sale of recreational and or medical Cannabis. And so we're going to talk to her about that. I love pioneers. I love risk takers. In the year 2000, I was out here in South Texas selling internet banking and bill pay to credit unions, and I'm telling you, nobody wanted to be first. The number one question I would get is anybody else doing this? Well, not at the present time, you know. But but this is going to be something that everyone's going to be doing, and I can't tell you how many credit union CEOs. Oh no, no, people like coming to the branch. We have free coffee and donuts on Wednesday. Oh, that'll that'll absolutely stop this wave of technology from occurring. Anyway, as you're going to find out, Sunday is not that kind of person uh, she sees opportunities where other people see problems and she built that bridge between banking brands and cannabis related businesses and that's the other thing that we have to change in this discussion there's even a new york times story out there about this program and they call it pot Banking. And let's just be honest. We've got to stop using that vernacular. When I hear the word pot, I just get zapped back to fast times at Ridgemont High and Jeff Spicoli rolling out of the van and Cheech and Chong and all that stuff. And that's all great comedy. But this isn't comedy. Safe Harbor and what Sunday has built is serious business. And that's the name of the episode today. Cannabis banking is serious business. Now we'll still have some fun with Sunday and she's going to tell us her amazing story and so we're really looking forward to that and I'm guilty of some of the levity too. The last time we talked about this three or four years ago, yes, I went into the break with, you know, John Denver, Colorado Rocky Mountain High. Yeah, I, I was adding a little bit of that levity to it and I honestly didn't understand it as well as I do now. Sunday was kind enough to send me her book. She's written a book about safe harbor. I read it. Uh, I enjoyed it. And wow, what what, what she has done in, in creating a blueprint to bridge that gap between cannabis-related businesses and financial institutions is absolutely Ingenious, and so we're going to go up to the beautiful state of Colorado and visit with Sunday. And she told me that back in the day when these examiners would come in. And folks, if you don't think banking is one of the most overregulated businesses on earth, I, trust me, it is. How else do you explain having to have Braille instructions for the blind in your drive-up ATM? <laughs> Well, we're going to talk this on the and She told me when the examiners would come in, when this was getting started, and, and she's having to answer all these questions and check all these boxes, she would hum the song, Staying Alive. And she has stayed alive, and she's thrived, and we're going to talk to her about it, and we're going to do it all right after this. It's conference quality information without the rubber chicken dinner, the one-hour webinar, and without the expense report. For 11 years, this is the Power of Performance Podcast. Staying alive and thriving. Hey, Sunday, how are you? Thank you. It's
1: great to be here. Excited to um, to be here.
0: You took a big chance on something that no one else was willing to do. So my first question here for you is tell us why.
1: You know, I think the first thing that comes to mind is the safety factor. And and Colorado was in a definite dangerous position with legalization and no access to banking. So I think that, you know, sold it hands down. But once we really got into it, and we really understood BSA. We understood that we had an obligation to the financial system to protect the financial system. So everybody wanted the transparency and accountability of the industry, but the banking aspect, uh, because BSA obligations are are so difficult, didn't necessarily want to take those BSA obligations
0: on. And in case you don't know, BSA stands for the Bank Secrecy Act, an act that requires banks to have a lot of regulations wrapped around cash transactions.
1: And BSA obligations, once you really learn, you have a huge obligation to protect the financial system. And that means not letting any illicit funds flow into the financial system. And, and so that became a real big focus in terms of what we, we uh, did in terms when we implemented the program.
0: In your book, it tells a great story about your journey in all of this, but it also provides a blueprint for doing the cannabis banking the right way. Tell us about that.
1: Well, we started getting a lot of calls. We went into this very transparently. Like three months into the program, I sat with the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas, and I said right to her, I said, we are banking cannabis, and this is how we're doing it, and transparency, accountability, blah, blah, blah. And (laughs) she actually thanked thanked me afterwards, but the whole idea was that we were gonna be transparent because if you were going to close us down and deny us access to the Fed. Tell me now before I get too far into this. And so the book was part of that transparency. I wanted everyone to know in our line of vendors that we're doing this, and I'm being very transparent with you. So if you have a problem, bring it to the table. Let us resolve it early so we can continue forward. And that book lays out exactly how we did it because, one, I wanted to be transparent, and two, I wanted other financial institutions to know what it took to move in that direction. So when they would call me, I would say, you really need to read the book first. And if you still have the stomach to do it after you read the book, then we'll talk (laughs) at a deeper level.
0: Most important thing we talk about on this show is we discuss results, not intentions. Tell us about where you are now, I mean, where you started and where you are now in terms of your growth with this program.
1: That's a really interesting question because year one it wasn't about results, we had one result in mind. The board and I agreed to do it and the result was that your compliance program was sufficient enough to stay in business for the long run. And so they agreed if we didn't make a dollar that year on the program it was okay if break-even was achieved as long as we could do it right. Our whole focus was on compliance. But come come to the, at this point, so we grew up methodically and we did it right and then the profits started resulting. So we started, you know, processing maybe $158 million year one and I was running numbers weekly just to make sure that we had the pricing model set correctly. And by year six, which was last year, we processed in excess of $3 billion in (sighs) cannabis-related funds. And that has, you know, that's a pretty significant part of our income, but it's also a pretty significant part of our employees. If we have a 120 employees and I have 30 employees or 35 employees dedicated to this one segment of business, that is a big part of the business for Partner Colorado Credit Union. So it, it's become probably too big for Partner at this point in time, but a, a very significant contribution to our success in the last several years.
0: That is a real significant number, 3 billion, folks. That's with a B, bravo, 3 billion, with a program that was started by a $300 million credit union. That was one of the number one things that just absolutely fascinated me about this entire amazing story. And so I wanted to ask you, since you were obviously right about that, Is there any other trend out there right now, like cannabis was several years ago, that banking professionals should be keeping a close eye on today that might be the next big idea for a small or medium-sized credit union or banking brand?
1: You know, I think that um, virtual currency... And digital mm. transformation into that realm is one of the biggest things right now that we're having to deal with especially with the covid environment and people wanting contactless payment and the ability to have more control over their money without having to go to the bank they yeah. are further along than cannabis was seven years ago in terms of financial system and it's interesting because even one of the um, board members of our federal insurers, the NCUA, was online last week saying credit unions have an opportunity to lead in this find a way it's okay and we didn't have that with cannabis but now mm-hmm. they're leading with that and saying you need to get involved with us and i was just really pleased to hear that because i believe that that's our next opportunity to serve not only the consumer but these cannabis businesses as well give them more
0: control i totally agree you. i totally agree with you and we're working on a monthly show right now with some folks that you probably know, the Deland Cuso, which does a lot of work with cryptocurrency, and so I think you're absolutely spot on about that. On a different topic, we like to close out the interview with, uh, you know, different kind of fun questions, but there was an interesting part of your history that I wanted to ask you about. There's so much. If you looked at the LinkedIn feed, there's so much going on today. Talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, You have kind of a unique journey yourself. Tell us about what it was like growing up and working at a credit union in Germany.
1: Wow, so many years ago. So I um, got <laughs> my start, <laughs> I know, really aging me. When I go back to 1983 <laughs> is when I first started in credit unions in Germany. And,
0: and yeah, there's, there's two Germany's at that time, by the way, folks. And, oh, millennials won't know that in those days there was East Germany and West Germany. So tell us about
1: that. And I did. I was there when the wall came down and, and went up yeah. to Berlin and got a piece of the wall like everybody else. So it was kind of an wow. interesting time. But yeah, I, did you really? Yeah, I, I grew up there. I did, absolutely. It was, wow. um, it was exciting times. <laughs> but um, the credit union I worked for there was Service Credit Union there out of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and we had 13 branches in Germany, and I really kind of cut my teeth, started in technology, went to training, went to branch management, went to VP of marketing. So I just really grew up in a credit union that was well organized. It was a military credit union serving military bases all over Germany. And I owe a lot of my career to learning on, under yeah. some very good leadership over there. And uh, doing business half in German and half in English. So it was you know, a <laughs> real plus that I actually was able to speak German and, and help, you know, do everything from order data lines to computer equipment. You know, it, it, it's um, very interesting to live in a culture where you're in, in the minority, and, and I think yeah. if it leads to one thing, it leads to a lot of acceptance. You know what it's like to be the, the minority. You know what it's like to live where they're asking you, you're, you know, why isn't your German better if you're living here in Germany doing yeah. business with us, and, and so you, <laughs> you, you learn culturally to accept people more around you because that's yeah. how really life is.
0: We've been asking our guests, was there a favorite show or movie or series that you discovered during the lockdown that you might not have discovered otherwise? And Sunday surprised me. She said, not, not so much. She said, there's plenty of stuff out there to watch, but what she really dived into were some of her hobbies and passions.
1: I, I have to say, I really delved more into my hobbies and and mm. did much more in oil painting and much more oh. in putting puzzles together and listening to audio books. I just really got on the series of, I like the investigative, you know, type um, books. And my latest book, obviously, that I'm listening to now is uh, Obama's um, The Promised Land. And it's just really interesting. So I would have to say that I've gotten into biographies because all of a sudden I've had the time to really sit and listen to them right. while I'm doing a
0: puzzle or painting. Well, listen, I just want to congratulate you on this. I love risk takers, and I, I love people that do things that other people won't. You've been an absolute pioneer in the cannabis banking. And then the last thing, if people want to get a hold of your book, how can they do that?
1: Well, they can find it on Amazon, or if they want to drop me a note on my LinkedIn, and I have a few of the books. It's pretty outdated, and and we talked about actually updating the book, but when I mentioned it to the board, they just kind of looked at me and said, when are you going to have time to do that? I'm like, good point. (laughs) So if you you contact me on LinkedIn, I'd be more than happy to send them as long as I have uh, stock available.
0: Awesome. Very, very nice. Hey, okay, listen. Thank you again, so very kindly. We hope you'll come back. And again, congratulations to you and everybody on your team for doing something that other people wouldn't. I really mean it. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to join us on the Power Performance Podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Do you mind if I
0: add something here? Just you of
1: can course. edit it out. Go if ahead. Want. No, you know, ahead. I was listening to your pod, your podcast on um, Desert Storm, and and one of the things that really stuck out was how you got into the car and and you had this fear and trepidation, but, you know, your instincts just kicked in. I have to say that that is exactly how we went into cannabis banking, that, you know, (laughs) you you plan everything out, you train everything, you know where you're going and and your instincts have to kick in, but you still have that adrenaline and that fear and trepidation and respect for what you're doing all the time. So I really appreciated that podcast.
0: So that's the one about my uh, driving into the rather uh, chaotic scene in the Battle of Kafchi in early February 1991 and didn't even know I was in the city of Kafchi. I just knew that people were shooting at me, and I have a standing rule. You shoot at me, I shoot back. So I'm glad you enjoyed that. That was my that yeah. was my five minutes of combat experience on that balcony in Kafchi. Saudi Arabia. Once again, thank you so much, Sunday. You have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we will talk to you very soon. Thank you so very kindly.
1: All right. Thank you, Jason.
0: Have a great one. Great (laughs) job. What a great job. Well, there's so much to this story. I really encourage you to take Sunday up on her offer and get a copy of that book. It's about 117 pages. You can read it, you know, in an afternoon, in a morning, while you're having breakfast. And it tells a great story again about doing something that nobody else had done and taking advantage of the history that Partners Credit Union had been dealt, being in Colorado, where that cannabis related business was very, very big and still is. You heard that. Three billion dollars. That's not a joke. That's not a rim shot. That's not a punchline. That's that's probably more money than Cheech and Chong ever made in their entire careers. And so it's a significant thing. And again, doing it against the backdrop of the rather officious bank Secrecy Act. You know, if you go to if you go to a bank and you're a criminal, you know, only get nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars in cash because if it's ten thousand dollars, it has to be reported. Well, it's, it went by kind of quickly. But you heard Sunday talking about being an artist, and I think that has something to do with success of the safe harbor program. Sunday sees an empty canvas, but doesn't just see the emptiness of it. She sees the possibility in it. As well, And so I think that has a lot to do with the success of the Safe Harbor program. And we've included some pictures of Sunday's paintings. So check those out. They're right there in the episode description. And of course, I enjoyed hearing about all of her time in Germany. Just a little aside, when I was in Desert Storm, I'm not kidding, part of me wanted to get just slightly injured so I could get to Ramstein Air Force Base in Germany because I'd heard so many great things about the men and women that had been stationed in Germany during the Cold War. And speaking of Germany and the Cold War, this song was very, very popular back in the day when everyone was worried about World War III. No need to worry, Nina. Those red balloons never went up because the United States Army was too good, and the Russians in the Warsaw Pact did not want any part of us. Sunday Seafried, thank you so much for joining us on the Power Performance Podcast, and thank you for listening to the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? Until next we speak, we'll talk to you all next week. Guten Tag. 1987, Berlin, West Germany. Behind me stands a wall that encircles the free sectors of this city. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. send me hate mail.
1: Ninety-nine, this is the Ninety-nine ministers meet. Worry, worry, super scary. College group starts
0: in a hurry. This is what we've waited for. This is it for, this is why The president is on the line. Ninety-nine, we're the best be right. The Vesta Best with Translated. The best podcast keeps getting better.